Hello, welcome to Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today's always your host, Evan Sider, and joined by co-host Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at East Sider. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Also, make sure to follow Locked On Suns Twitter page if you aren't already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your support is very much appreciated. We're back with you today for our usual Monday through Friday episode. Today it's Friday. We have two days in between these uh, next game, which is the Wizards on Saturday. And with the holiday, we're going to be uh, taking a little bit of a break here. We'll be back to you guys on Wednesday to recap the next few episodes. But our, our final segment today will be uh, really previewing these next few games, Bernie. These are really intriguing as far as the East Coast swing goes. But before that, we're going to talk about the Austin Rivers news. We haven't covered that yet just yet on the podcast. We're going to get just our thoughts on what happened with the Rivers situation. And we're also just going to look ahead about six weeks and see what's going to happen to the trade deadline for the Phoenix Suns because there's a little debate I've seen on Suns Twitter, Brennan, about trade the pick already or keep the pick. I know some people really don't want to talk about, talk about the draft that much, so they really want to get off that pick. <laughs> A lot of people don't want to talk about the draft. Yeah, that's that's for sure. If you look at the bright side comments section, but um, we'll we'll go on here to our first segment, Brennan, which is Austin Rivers. Really, we haven't talked talked about it just yet on the podcast. Been really busy with game recaps, but really shockingly, really all of a sudden that Austin Rivers was waived. There was only a six hundred fifty thousand dollars buyout. It didn't get the fullback minimum salary for the Suns. So, what was your reaction to that? Because it seems, from my point of view, Brennan, that it was more of a chemistry thing than anything else. Yeah, as far as why they wouldn't want Rivers around, I think there's any number of things you could point to. Uh, He's 26, so not not an old player, not a Jamal Crawford type that you know won't be around into the future. But 26, a little bit ahead of this team's timeline and about to be a free agent, similar to Kelly Oubre. But, you know, I think we talked about it a little bit before – the Ariza deal actually went down and kind of wondering like, you know, is it at the point now at eight and 24 where maybe the team doesn't feel like it needs to go out and change its entire uh, point guard rotation and get somebody that's a game changer. Now, I think we both assumed that they would at least address it in some way. And it felt like Rivers was that guy when the initial trade was announced before the Brooks mix up. And then Rivers was part of the deal in its second iteration uh so it felt like that was the guy of anyone involved between dylan brooks and wayne selden and then eventually kelly Oubre. it seemed like rivers was the guy that the suns wanted out of all that because he was the only constant between the two deals and then to turn around and see him get get waived really well bought out but but barely um just like you said that six hundred and fifty thousand, about half of what he'll make with whatever team he ends up on for the remainder of this season just kind of puzzling. And I think, you know, I tweeted when the news started to break late that Friday night uh, that it, if the Suns were, if the Suns traded Ariza and didn't get back a starting caliber guard or somebody that at least could play some heavy minutes at the, at the one or the two, it would be a failure. And once they got rivers, I kind of went back and said, well, okay, they did what, what I was hoping for, what I think they were hoping for. And now here we are, and he's not on the team. So it's it's definitely confusing. This is me doing a little conspiracy theory here, but do you think that maybe James Jones said to Austin Rivers, hey, Austin, I know this team is 4-24 and at the time, but we like De'Anthony Mellon as a starting point guard. He fits really well like Devin Booker. What's your thoughts coming off the bench on this team? And maybe he just went, nope, I ain't doing that. I don't know why I would be starting this kind of team, and I just don't want to play for you guys anymore. Could be, yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's carried some baggage with him across his career he was a, one of the he was kind of like uh, New Orleans's Josh Jackson in the beginning of his career really one of the worst offensive players in the league when he entered the, the NBA just 
poor shot selection, uh, inconsistent playmaking, and really didn't have much of a role that made sense in in the NBA and worked his way, maybe got a little bit overpaid as a result of his connection with the Clippers franchise being the coach's son and all of that stuff. But, you know, I think the past two seasons has been a a serviceable rotation player in the NBA and on this Suns team, probably somebody who would have been a decent option to start with what they have right now. Um, But I can definitely see him not feeling like he fits in because Washington was expected to compete for the playoffs. Maybe they still will. And so that situation maybe makes more sense for him. He's been rumored as a potential Grizzlies target since the cut. And that's a team obviously in the playoff run as well. So I don't know what it was, but to me, you know, to, to end up after this Ariza deal without Rivers um, and with Ubre, who you would assume because they targeted Dylan Brooks in the first construction of the trade, wasn't a target of theirs, the Suns, in the first place. The, you know, we liked what Ubre gave the team in their win on, on Wednesday against the Celtics, but it's still completely puzzling to just look up and see they ended up with two guys that they didn't want at first yeah it really is and I guess I listened to James Jones comments on Burns and Gambo from what he said to those guys it sounded like he was actually wanting Kelly Oubre from the start but I don't know why you want to go to Memphis in the first place like you said just a really confusing process with how the Suns trade went down and now they have an open roster spot again I guess we should touch on that a little bit Brian with 14 now roster spots of it are that are um, taken with one available I don't think the Suns are really in a rush here to fill that spot, and maybe they're kind of playing their chips as far as maybe using the Milwaukee pick or Sun, or maybe even their own pick at the deadline to get their point guard taking the extra roster spot up. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit when we were talking about the trade on Monday with Kellen Olsen, and it is, you know, they could do a deal where Oubre, he can't be packaged as a salary piece, and he doesn't make a ton anyway, with any of the Suns' other players, but he can be flipped with a pick. And his own, you know, his own salary, just him alone, to another team in a, in a separate deal between now and the trade deadline. So I, I don't necessarily know where it goes from here, but um, I, I think the one reason you might look at that they didn't they didn't do the the original deal, they didn't just get Ubre in the first place, kind of to what you're saying with Jones is that I feel like there's a chance that, you know, that pick that Washington was supposed to be getting from Memphis in that first construction was a no-go for the Suns. They didn't want to give up anything to get Oubre, but then once the deal fell apart and the league's laughing at all these teams, now it's like, okay, well, we really want to get off Oubre, Washington, and, you know, then they really wanted Ariza, so let's just say screw it on the pick and let's just get this done, and maybe if the Suns, did have some interest in Ubre. Once the pick went away, they they wanted to do it that way. But just a lot of moving parts, and it's just unclear. And that the roster spot, I think, will help them to be flexible around the deadline. Um, just in general, regardless of if they were to flip Ubre again or choose to do, just to have an open roster spot is always helpful in trades, especially with the Suns having a, a tiny little bit of cap space right now. It just uh, clears out. You know, they don't have to send as many guys. You can do a two-for-one trade or you can, you know, sign somebody who gets bought out or, you know, I don't know. But it's it's always nice to have that, especially on a team where you have a rotation set and you don't need that help. Before we go on to our next segment here, I wanted to ask you one more thing about Austin Rivers. And 
I know our listeners might not be interested in this question because they probably don't want to know about the Austin River sweepstakes, but we're general NBA fans and followers as well. But I want to just get your thoughts on where do you think Austin Rivers ends up? It's a good question. I, I think there's a lot of teams that could use somebody like that, especially on a minimum salary, which he will be for all intents and purposes, we can assume at this point. And I mean, what team, it's kind of the reason that it, it is confusing from the Suns perspective, aside from the locker room stuff, you know, maybe the Suns just don't feel like they have that culture built yet with a new coach and a new general manager to bring somebody like him in. But a lot of teams I feel like would be totally fine taking that risk. And so, I mean, anyone from, I, I mean, Memphis is kind of a, an odd one because I don't really know that they need him. They have, as we saw with the Brooks stuff, they have like three or four backup quality guards on their on their roster but it's funny I mean I've been kind of thinking about the Pelicans as as silly as that would be to have him go full circle but they need guard help in a bad way yeah the one I actually thought of I try to connect the dots a little bit when it first happened but Joe Chi of the Rockets got waived a few days ago now with Chris Paul going down with his hamstring once again and I think he's gonna hurt his hamstring I might turn to really an albatross controversy for Houston maybe Austin Rivers makes sense as to James Harden but I don't know if that really works defensively well, it's a better defensive option than a lot of what they have right now. Uh, Brandon Knight's been playing 15 to 20 minutes for them since he got back. And, you know, he's at his best, maybe a serviceable defender, but injured and, you know, coming off of really years now of recovery. So I think that's an interesting one. And, you know, they are a team that probably could handle his off-court issues if there are any that they need to deal with. You know, they're, he's not going to be able to come in and, make a fuss about starting in a situation like Houston's, you know, I think that might be good for him. Yeah, I agree with you there. Before we go on to our next segment here, we're just going to be talking about trade or not trade the pick, how we see the trade market might go at February. What's our thoughts on like maybe the draft and what maybe it's not even a good draft to even keep this pick. I want to tell you guys really quickly about locked on NBA net, our Twitter account over there. If you're not already following it, pause this podcast. If you're listening on a different uh, application, go over the twitter.com, follow at locked on, NBA net it's by far one of the best resources out there as far as getting instant news from people like me Brendan the rest of the lockdown crew around the country we have almost every team every day as far as it's really cool to see actually the growth as far as credentials go we're really starting to see a lot of that again really the network as well a lot more fun things are doing on our Instagram account our Twitter accounts with videos I think you guys probably saw a few days ago me our audio splice from our episode talking about Devin Booker with some video behind it some pretty cool stuff going over there so if you're not already, please go follow at Locked On NBA Net. And let's also talk about Homie, new entrant into the Phoenix market, kind of revolutionizing the home buying and selling experience for you guys with not only an easy to use interface on the website and mobile app, but a team and, and a system that is set up to just support you along the way. Cut out the needless hassle and time and money that goes into buying and selling a house most of the time. And it really goes away almost all the way with Homie. These guys can sell any priced home for the same low cost of just $199 to list and $1,299 at close. So that means Homie customers on average save over $10,000. One recent home sold in record time through Homie and $60,000 completely cut off that charge for the customer not only do they save you money, but you can qualify for a $5,000 buyer refund to help with closing costs. And like I mentioned before, there's that team of realtors and agents 
and attorneys there to support you along the way. These guys' motto is we've got your back, and they really mean that when they say it. What we're going to do here at Locked On Suns to help you along the path even further is get you $100 off that listing fee by calling the number 602-892-3335. So that's $100 off the $199 listing fee by using the number 602-892-3335. Go check out everything that Homie's doing. Get that $100 off the listing fee and use that phone number to let them know you came from us. All right, the trade market, I feel like to start with the Suns pick because I have started to see some murmurs, some whispers around the internet of doing that. To me, it doesn't make any sense to to use the Suns pick in February or before the deadline unless you're getting either a restricted free agent that you'll have an advantage to re-sign, you know, somebody like Kelly Oubre, maybe at the point guard position, or somebody, you know, if you really feel like you're going to go over the cap somehow and you want the early bird or the bird rights of, of a player, I guess if you if you have a plan that you feel positive about and you know you're going to be operating over the cap and you're going to need those rights to, to re-sign a player, I don't know how you can be confident in that, but those are the only two ways I could see using that pick right now because otherwise, why not just use it on draft night or you know at least give yourself some time to see how things play out. I just don't see what use that is right now because they're not going to make the playoffs. And that, that would be the only other time I could see doing that. And, and it's just too far out of the, out of the reach right now. Yeah. And if you look at the NBA standings right now, the Western conference is just a, a race, like outside of Phoenix, everyone else is in the playoff race right now, even Phoenix with a four game winning streak is still eight games out of the 14th spot. So they're pretty far, far away as far as that goes. But um, teams like I've kind of talked to you about over text, Brandon, like Memphis, like someone like Mike Conley, Maybe Drew Holiday in New Orleans if stuff blows up there. Maybe even Kemba Walker and Charlotte. But I don't think that's going to happen. But unless the Suns are really preparing to make like a godfather offer to trade deadline for one of those three guys, maybe Kyle Lowry in Toronto in the summer. I just don't see like you mentioned, Brennan. I don't know how it really makes any sense to trade this pick until at least you know where you're going to land the lottery. Yeah, and and I also think you know the reality is with the standings that you're talking about, how close the West especially is. I, I don't think many of those guys are available. I mean, yeah, a godfather offer. I don't really even know what that means at this point if they're talking to a team that can convince themselves not only that they're going to make the playoffs, which in prior years, even just doing that has been such a battle, but because of the clustering in the West, like you, you can look at yourself and think, you know, we're going to be hosting a playoff series, you know, hosting four out of seven playoff games this May or June, or not June, but may and and feel really good about that possibility because you know what it's like seven games separate the bottom of the western conference playoff race and the top right now and you know is is memphis really just going to give up mike conley in the middle of that after last after slogging through last year or you know is the pelicans they're they're not they're not trading drew holiday if they're not trading uh, anthony davis they're clearly not going to trade their second best player and ruin the one year that they have left to convince davis so i just don't know what you're going to get with that pick aside from a really interesting young player and then if you look at that like you know terry rogier is probably the only one that fits that mold either so uh, maybe d'angelo russell would be one other name there but i just don't feel like it makes a ton of sense and i kind of circle back to some of the names we were talking about before um, the Ariza trade, and it got a little more complicated because the Suns don't have big salaries at this point. They've already gotten rid of Chandler and Ariza now. Basically, it's like 
Dragon Bender, or if they really wanted to, to trade TJ Warren. That's about it as far as solid size matching salary pieces. And I don't think Warren's available and no one wants Bender. Yeah, that's a really good point you bring up there. And I'm glad you brought up D'Angelo Russell because that's who I was actually going to bring up next as far as maybe a realistic young target you're, you're talking about as far as maybe keeping his restricted rights. W- would it be a smart idea to get like a top three or maybe only top one protected pick plus maybe like Dragon Bender and Elliot Kobo for a guy like D'Angelo Russell? And do you think even Brooklyn would even do that at this stage right now with how they're playing at seven straight wins? I don't really think so. I mean, I think the the Nets are in an interesting spot where they're winning – but they have just so much flexibility moving forward. I kind of feel like they're in a similar position to the Suns where making a, a snap move like that, even if they were to, to get another asset, um, maybe doesn't make a ton of sense to them because, you know, maybe Russell on a, a reasonable salary, a, a, you know, tradable salary on him, maybe that's more valuable to them because he fits kind of with what their team wants to do than, than a, you know, 2020 Milwaukee pick that might not be too great. And I definitely don't think the Suns are giving up their own pick in a deal like that. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I guess one thing I want to touch on as far as this goes, who are the guys who maybe qualify as if this guy is truly available, you could see the Suns get up their own pick in this draft, whether it be top one, top three, top five, or even unprotected. Who makes sense of the deadline, you think? Ooh. Scary There's Terry, not maybe the only yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. I mean, the Suns' pick could be the first overall pick. I mean, they're on this winning streak. I think they'll play closer to, you know, not quite five hundred, but play a lot better once their schedule eases up, especially in February and March. But they could still easily get the number one pick, especially with the updated lottery odds. They really only have to slide into the top five to get a chance at it. And I. I don't know if there's anyone. I mean, maybe I wouldn't do it, but Kevin Love might be another option if he's shown himself to be healthy enough uh, by the deadline. But that's not making me feel great either. No, yeah. It doesn't really make sense as far as moving it in season. And I might as well ask you this one as well because you follow the Pelicans pretty closely. And Anthony Davis, these rumors are really starting to pop off lately with the LeBron comments, which was really obviously tampering. but. For some reason, the NBA is not going to find LeBron or the Lakers for that. But what if Anthony Davis does ask out in February? It would definitely seem that he wants to go to the Lakers, so that's the case. But Or it maybe even in the summer probably makes more sense. Let's say it's May right now, middle of May, and the lottery just happened, and the Suns land number one overall pick for Zion Williamson. Would you keep Zion Williamson, or would you tramp him that you could get Anthony Davis? And you think it's impossible to get a guy like Anthony Davis with number one pick plus whatever else? Yeah, I mean, maybe they would have a competitive offer, but no, I, I don't. I I feel like it's not what I've heard, heard a lot of people say, but I mean, if you're at the point with Anthony Davis as he is right now and you've made the playoffs twice, but you've never made it past the second round, never really had any legitimate shot at a title um, or really even the conference finals, it doesn't make sense if you feel at this point in your career that a winning situation is just too far away from what New Orleans is able to construct, then I know you don't get to pick where you get traded, but you know, you, the stars control those negotiations to a fair amount. And it makes absolutely no sense why he would ever even consider re-signing with the Suns. If that's his, you know, what are the Suns offering that New Orleans can't as far as winning immediately? Nothing. 
they're, you know, even if let's say they get to 30 wins and they play like crazy the rest of the year, he's going to leave a around 500 team that swept a team in the first round of the playoffs a year ago. And we'll see what they do in the playoffs this year to go to a young rebuilding team. That makes absolute sense to me. And Zion Williamson, you know, you have him for nine years, uh, who, whoever it is, really. I mean, if, if you fall to maybe 10, sure, thing, the, the calculus changes. But if you're, if you're able to get a top three, top four pick again, that's clearly the route you go instead of just praying that Anthony Davis convinces himself Devin Booker is a superstar. And, you know, even then, what do you really have that New Orleans does appeals to him? And how do you construct a package? what Los Angeles and Boston can do. I just don't see it happening for the Suns or really any team outside of those two teams. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think he's going to be a Boston seller or Los Angeles Laker by next year, in my opinion. I think he will ask out. But one more thing I want to ask as far as the trade market goes, let's zoom ahead to the summer. I think it's more realistic, in my opinion, that not a disgruntled superstar is going to be a guy who the Suns use their pick on. I think it's going to be more of a team that's okay, we've done this so many times now. It's time to reset. It's time to just blow us all up. Maybe someone like Toronto makes sense if Kawhi leaves for a Kyle Lowry, like a Memphis, like I mentioned with Mike Conley, if they've done it so many times that they're just not going to go far. What do you think about giving up maybe a top five pick for one of those guys who'd be in their mid-30s for a point guard? I don't think it's a terrible idea then, and, and you'll have a clearer idea of where you are with the lottery at that point. You're saying around the draft, right? Yeah, like around like May, June or so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know, it doesn't – I don't hate it depending on who it is. I think Conley's a guy that that does make a lot of sense, fits well with what the Suns want to do, perfect fit next to Devin Booker. And I think uh, the, the the math is always going to be and, – and it's tough to do it right now because a guy like Mikhail Bridges, for instance, you really don't know – he'll be he, he could get a lot better or he maybe just stays as a solid three and D player that we already feel good about him being and that's the tough thing with making these decisions in, in a rebuild but they have to come sooner rather than later I think Conley's a guy that makes sense uh, to me what will be tough to do even even around that point is with so many guys coming off expiring contracts this summer teams won't even know at that point what they want to do so I think the draft will have a little bit more open I think Conley you know the Grizzlies will probably have a a vision of, of what the future holds for them, depending on how they perform in the playoffs, the progress that Jaron Jackson makes the rest of the year. But Toronto, they won't know on, on Kawhi Leonard. You know, there's a lot of different examples around the league. Even to go back to Drew Holiday, maybe he does become available once Anthony Davis is traded. If they want to just tank for a year or two and, and try to rebuild quickly, maybe that helps them do that. But they're not going to know that in June either. So the, the league, like half the league being on expiring deals at this point and so many superstar decisions being up in the air is not helping the Suns as they try to kind of finish their rebuild up this summer. Yeah, not one bit. It'll be really interesting to follow this team between February and July because I think that either in February, it might not be smart time, or in July, where I think it's probably more realistic. I think this team will be making a big move, but who knows who it'll be at this point. But before we go on to our final semi here on today's show, let's – um. I guess we should push um, our Locked On NBA show, Brandon. What do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, you've heard about this for a while, guys. I hope you've checked it out a time or two. Just great stuff. Trevor Booker was on the program again this week with uh, our, our network chief, David Locke, from Locked On Jazz, um, just providing insight on some of the different situations around the league. I think they talked quite a bit about Houston, about Utah, which is obviously Booker's old team, and about some of the different coaching decisions and just 
the insight from players is incredible to have Booker there, as well as, you know, Sam Amick, who we've told you about before from The Athletic, and Ben Golliver of The Washington Post. Just every day, a lot of new stuff to hear about, think about, and, and different perspectives that I think really help you kind of wrap your mind around the rest of the league. Suns fan perspective when it's just a, a little bite-sized episode around 30 minutes just like our show so go subscribe to Locked on NBA and check out everything we're doing over there all right maybe we should just do like a thing or two a, a point or two that we're watching in each of these three games between now and next Wednesday when we record our magic recap yeah I think for me I'll, I'll start off here and I think it's just staying competitive because obviously the Celtics game was their toughest test in their road stand here they're going to be playing out Washington tomorrow then a back-to-back against Brooklyn which is going to be possibly two of the hottest teams in the NBA at that point if they both win these, these next few games and then the day after Christmas against the Orlando Magic like you mentioned Brendan I just want to see hopefully the Suns win two out of three of these games I'm not going to put the pressure on them to win three straight games again and going to the OKC because that'd just be really fun at that point though if the Suns won seven straight games going to Oklahoma City that'd be really fun but I think two out of three games and hoping just competitiveness of this team that's what I'm looking for because if this if this turnaround Brennan's legit then I think they have to win two of these next three games I agree I mean obviously the the biggest change despite any of the numbers which we went through yesterday and and some of the end performances the big changed was just a a switch flipping as far as energy goes and and different guys buying into their role and kind of understanding their limitations to help the team from me Melton just competing on defense Mikhail Bridges doing the same Josh Jackson limiting his shot attempts and contributing, playing hard on defense. Those are the two main ones that are the team's real identity. And I think um, from a specific one, the center matchups are going to be one of the main things I'm looking at. I think Washington presents a real opportunity for Aiton, DeAndre Aiton to just dominate again like we've seen him do against the Knicks and the Celtics now with battered rotations of their own. And I think um, – Thomas Bryant is starting for them in Washington. Uh, Dwight Howard's still out with injury. And so I think think that one's going to be something he can really go out and play well and and maybe win that game for them, depending on if he can keep up his aggressive stretch. And after that, some challenges because Jared Allen played him as interestingly as you'll ever see. And and Jared Allen's been doing that for a lot of different teams this year. Um, Just did it to Wendell Carter too. Played him basically in a one-man zone around the paint. and then. The Magic, Nikola Vucevic, who in the second half of that Magic game at home kind of took it to Aiton, and I think he'll uh, hopefully recover from that as he's done against a lot of a lot of guys going against them the second time this year. I think another juicy storyline for that Wizards game, I think it's pretty obvious, though, from the from everyone's point of view, is Trevor Ariza going against his former team. Yeah. And also Kelly Oubre, who in the postgame show on Fox Sports Arizona, without even Tom Leander or Tom Chambers mentioning it, he said, we got Washington on Saturday. I can't wait for that one. So you can obviously tell that I think he's taking that matchup pretty personally. Yeah, it'll be fun. I think uh, I think Ariza will be too, um, just because he, I think he's caught in – maybe he doesn't pay attention to it, but he's gotten so much flack for how he handled, the la- especially the last few weeks of his tenure here. Um, I know John Gambadoro has been kind of ripping him a little bit on the radio, and I don't know if Ariza is the kind of guy who pays attention to that stuff, but – 
um, I, I would imagine he'll be at least on that one too. And it's quite the same position. So we'll get to see them go right at each other. Uh, but I think Ubre especially, he's, he's going to crazy stuff. It might be, might be good, but I mean, this is a guy who clotheslined uh, Isaiah Thomas in a playoff series just because he got a little bit, a little wild. So uh, I would imagine some, some revenge juice flowing in his veins might bring some crazy out of him too. And that's not a bad thing. Maybe they'll win the game because of him. Uh, I think that's the, the, we'll see the good and the bad of the Uber experience pretty quickly here. I already feel. I think one more thing I wanted to hit on as far as the next three games as well, just what I'm looking forward to seeing is our guy on here, DeAnthony Mellon, who we're hoping to get on locked on Suns, by the way, here soon. There'll probably be some time this season. We're hoping to get on that. But with DeAnthony and Melton, he's going to get to John Wall, D'Angelo Russell, and then Jerry and Grant of Orlando. I'm really interested to see how he matches up against those guys. I know he's only playing about 20 minutes per game since Booker's return, but he's been a guy who leads the leads the team in deflections or tied for the lead in deflections. He plays about 50 less minutes than most of the other guys. Yeah, I think uh, the wall matchup will be pretty interesting for him. Uh, Melton's not a guy we've we've talked about it against far, maybe not easier, but slower, more you know finesse types of matchups that he struggled with. You know, the Mavericks don't have a John Wall type player. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is, you know, he was on the court and didn't really make too much of a difference. But even the Mavericks backups, Luka Doncic, when when Melton was switching, just posed a challenge for him just with their size and versatility. So Wall is a completely unique kind of guy that can just blow past Melton, who doesn't have incredible, incredible athleticism like some of the other point guards he's going to have to match up with. So that one will be interesting to me, too, just to see if he can maintain that level of um, defensive impact and if the team can support him because it's going to be kind of an all-hands effort to corral Beal and Wall, who are just such a unique matchup in the backcourt. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that Wizards game on on Saturday. It's going to be a really fun match, I think, with a lot of uh, narratives going on both sides. But anything else as far as today's episode, want to hit on as far as this? And I might as well just get a final prediction before we go out of here because we won't be here for a couple of days. How do you think these next three games end up for the Suns? What's your record prediction? I'll say two and one. I think they can win at Washington and uh, at Orlando, but I would imagine they lose the Nets game. So I'll say two and one. All right. I actually agree with you. I think two and one is realistic. But if it is three and oh, I think the Suns fans and I know the local radio and us around here are going to be really excited about that possibility of covering that Thunder game on a seven game winning streak. So until then, guys, happy holidays. Happy Christmas from us at Locked On Suns. But until then, we'll talk to you guys later.